So, you want to save the world with clean energy? Make money doing it? Confused about the economic and technical realities of residential and commercial solar, batteries, heat pumps, EVs? Want the real-world scoop on new energy technologies, not manufacture hype? Then tune in to the Weekly Energy Show, hosted by Barry Cinnamon. Insights from Barry's 40-plus years in the solar and energy industry will help you understand the future ways we'll generate and consume energy. And now, here's Barry. Welcome to this week's Energy Show. Now, when it comes to global warming, we're screwed. There, I said it. Now, we'll talk about why on this podcast, and we'll discuss some of the practical solutions which will eventually reduce the CO2 in the atmosphere, and hopefully in the short medium term, help us cope with the warmer climate that we already have. So I'm going to tell it like it is. We're misleading ourselves that we're on the path to solve the problem. The reality is the CO2 concentration in the air keeps going up. The fossil fuel consumption in the world keeps going up. Global temperatures keep going up. And the impact of all these things, fires, droughts, blackouts, floods, they're worse than ever. I mean, we're all seeing it happen. It's not just a gore prediction. It's happening. And the reason why we're screwed is basically we're doing almost nothing in the U.S. to prevent this catastrophic global warming. And the U.S. is the most important economy in the world when it comes to this. We're the biggest contributor historically to global warming and to CO2 in the air, and we really should be doing the most about it. And the reason for this is the majority of our politicians are more interested in getting reelected than enacting practical global warming solutions. There's been no significant renewables-friendly legislation since the Obama administration extended the ITC in 2015. Obama continued to try. Nothing happened under Trump, realistically, and Biden is trying his best. Now, hopefully, to that end, the recently proposed Inflation Reduction Act will be passed. I'm kind of surprised that it was actually proposed and written, but that act includes substantial energy security and climate change provisions. It's not the BBB, but it's got a lot in there, more than we've almost ever done. But it must get through fierce opposition by fossil fuel companies, and conservative Republicans. You know, just kind of continuing the the ostrich head in the sand issues, even the Supreme Court is preventing the Environmental Protection Agency from taking the obvious actions to reduce CO2 emissions. And this is because we've got so many conservative members on the Supreme Court. Now, the biggest reason why the world's global warming crisis is continuing to happen is because literally... Over the years, billions of dollars have been spent by fossil fuel companies. They're misleading the public about global warming. They're sidetracking realistic solutions with pie-in-the-sky concept. Now, it's kind of understandable because the solution to global warming is basically stop burning fossil fuels. You stop burning fossil fuels, the companies that drill and mine these products, they don't have a business anymore. Um, So I understand that. But they're literally overheating the planet. Now, it's kind of interesting. You look at some polls. There's a recent poll from the Center for Climate Change Communications. It shows, kind of no surprise, but really good data. It shows that the U.S. is very politically fragmented. Liberal Democrats rank global warming as their third highest priority out of 29 issues after environmental protection and health care. Conservative Republicans rank global warming 
Conservative Republicans rank global warming as dead last at number 29. They don't care about it. It's at the bottom of their priority list. We all live on the same planet. We all have the same experiences. The reason for this is the information that Republicans and Democrats believe is completely different. Now, on the other hand, we, we all live on the same planet. There's widespread agreement that improving building energy efficiency, things like rooftop solar EVs and heat pumps, is widely supported. 87% of the people who are polled support providing tax incentives or rebates to homeowners, landlords, and businesses to make existing buildings more energy efficient. Heat pumps, solar, insulation, things like that. 79% support funding more research into renewable energy sources. And 77% support providing tax rebates to people who purchase energy-efficient vehicles or solar panels. And we got some of that. That's good. Let's do more of it. But bizarrely, and this is where it's kind of like surprise to me because I'm an engineer and a scientist, there's widespread national agreement on a couple of cookie things. A massive tree planting campaign. 90% of the people support planting trees everywhere. And 79% of the people support more tax credits for technologies that capture and store carbon dioxide. Talking about reality on today's podcast, well, here's the reality with these two things. From an economic and logistical standpoint, planting trees and capturing CO2 will not come close to solving the global warming emergency. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Now, there's a reason why people are supporting global warming policies that won't work. And the reason is misinformation from the fossil fuel industry and promotion of false solutions. So that's the reality that I see. So what do the scientists say? Well, the details of what the scientists say is kind of in the recent UN's Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change report, the IPCC report. I didn't read the whole thing. Even the summary is indecipherable. It's probably a good thing that I didn't read it because there's not any good news in the entire report. So you can look at the summary too. It's depressing. The IPCC report specifies five actions to keep global warming under 1.5 degrees centigrade. One, stop using fossil fuels. Two, remove CO2 from the atmosphere. Three, curb demand for energy. Four, spend more money on clean energy and less on fossil fuels. Five, Tell rich people to use less energy. I don't know why the world is spending all the money on this report because these five things are kind of ridiculous. A child knows what they are. So it's pretty depressing. After 20 years of climate change activism, after in the inconvenient truth, after IPCC reports every few years, after all the wildfires, floods, and energy wars that we're having right now, the economic interests from fossil fuel industries or overwhelming the necessary action that we need to take. Now, we know what the necessary solutions are. There's a lot of really good ways, really good reports. There's a, a great book called Project Drawdown. It kind of describes the priorities. There are terrific simulations like En-ROADS. And there's a blizzard of scientific reports over the past 20 years kind of describing what we really need to do. And the problem is most of the people are not paying attention to that. So here are... The five most practical and effective ways to keep global warming under two degrees centigrade. Here they are. One, put a high price on carbon. Two, electrify everything. Now, the reason why that works is if you electrify things, you can power everything that's electric with renewables, therefore avoiding the high carbon price from burning fossil fuels. 
put a high subsidies in place for renewables. Now, keep in mind, renewables, solar and wind, they are getting installed faster than any other source of energy. You've got to keep doing that faster, faster, faster. And that's why it makes so much sense. Now, number four, put high subsidies in place for nuclear. Now, I am not a big nuclear fan, but I've come to the realization that we should definitely keep the existing plants running so that we don't need to continue to burn fossil fuels. And I realistically, I'm not counting on new plants. The last few plants that have been built in the U.S. have taken over 20 years to build. And the payback from the utilities is that they're not going to make an investment that's going to start producing power in 20 years. You're not going to get any investment from utilities for new nuclear plants. So there's a problem, but we can keep the existing ones running as long as they're running safely. And then the last thing is reduce methane emissions. Now, methane is another airborne pollutant. It's basically natural gas, but it's 80 times worse than CO2. So we want to eliminate the accidental release of methane. And there's a lot of that being reduced. Okay. Now, what I suggest that you do, just you know, go dig this up on your computer after you listen to my podcast. Run the simulations yourself on the En-ROADS Climate Simulator. Just look up En-ROADS Climate Simulator, E-N-R-O-A-D-S, Climate Simulator. You'll find it. It really shows you the best, most economical, and most practical ways to minimize global warming. Based on the proven technology, you can kind of pick the solutions that you think are scalable and reasonably fast, and you don't have to just put in the feel-good effort. So you can kind of fiddle around with things, and you'll come to the same conclusions I did. Now, this IPCC report needed worldwide political consensus. That's why the five recommendations that I previously listed are so naive and watered down. All right, so let's just kind of skip through those in a little bit more detail. Number one, stop using fossil fuels. One brief Homer Simpson word for this recommendation. Duh. The report says that emissions must peak by 2025. That's less than three years away. What were they smoking? It's not going to happen. We're just not doing what we need to do. Number two, find a way to remove CO2 from the atmosphere. Now, the direct removal of CO2 from the air, it's technically feasible, but it's, from a practical standpoint, it's aspirational, and it's just not practical. We don't have the land for all the solar panels and wind turbines that are going to provide the electricity to power all the CO2 removal equipment that we're going to need to do. So it's much better to just use that wind and solar to supplant existing fossil fuels. It's much better to use the the energy that's generated by wind and solar to make green hydrogen from electrolysis. And when we talk about removing the CO2, you got to put it somewhere. So it takes even more energy to permanently sequester the carbon dioxide. You can't pump it underground. Using CO2 for industrial processes like pumping the CO2 into the ground so we can extract more oil, that just makes the problem worse. And you know, most industrial processes that use CO2 are just going to emit the CO2 again. I mean, you're going to use the CO2 to carbonate water or in soft drinks? Well, it's just going to bubble out. I'm going to tell you a secret regarding CO2 direct capture. It's much cheaper and much faster not to emit the CO2 in the first place. So concentrate on not emitting it it solves the problem much more quickly. All right. Now, along the same lines, the idea is, well, let's just plant a billion trees. Well, actually, you need more like a trillion trees. And trees take 50 years to grow to maturity. And we don't have 50 years. I mean, we're going to plant the seedling, and it's going to take a long time before you've got a tree that's going to be absorbing enough CO2. And all those trees take up a lot of land, which the land is going away due to sea level rise. And 
the land is going away because people are using it for farming. We're busy cutting down trees. And the other thing is, you got to remember, trees die. And when they die, they re-emit CO2 when they decompose. And a lot of the trees that we plant, it's kind of an interesting study, a very high percentage, I don't know exactly what the number was, but very high percentage, they plant these little seedlings, they never grow. They really need to be taken care of. Planting tree seedlings in areas that are really dry, like in the desert, you're not going to absorb a lot of CO2 if there's not a lot of water in that area for the trees to grow. All right. Number three in the IPCC report, curb demand of energy. Yeah, that's nice. That's a nice, easy to say recommendation that everybody can agree on. They want us to go on a low carbon diet. Now, that's carbon to make our food, not eating less coal. And is to reduce food waste. Rethinking the design of cities. Well, thinking is easy. Redesigning and rebuilding the cities, that's going to take 50 years. Shift people to less carbon-intensive transportation. Uh, well, that's basically electric vehicles, but you're not going to accept people you know, riding bicycles. I mean, it'd be great, but it's just you're not going to see that much adoption. But definitely EVs are helpful. But the bottom line as far as the curbing the demand of energy... And this is just the way it's been in humanity forever. People want a better lifestyle. And the better the lifestyle, it requires more energy. You go from cavemen to the Stone Age and the Bronze Age to the Industrial Revolution to right now. On a per capita basis, we keep using more and more energy because our lifestyle gets better. We're happier. We live longer. Things are safer, better. And it all takes energy. All right, number four in the IPCC report. Spend more money on clean energy solutions and less on fossil fuels. That's a correct assessment. But we're back to just naively saying eliminate fossil fuels, which the fossil fuel companies have a problem with. That's the reality. And number five, tell rich people to use less energy. Okay, the logic here is that because rich people use the most energy, we have to tell them to use less energy. The problem is that there's kind of no correlation between cause and effect emissions, CO2 emissions, the use of energy is tied to economic growth and income. People want to be rich. They want to grow. They want a higher income. Therefore, they will use more energy. That's just the way it is. So what we really need to do is need ways to find for people to use more clean energy. And the way to do that is actually quite simple, which is to use more clean energy that's cheaper than fossil fuels. And that's kind of the fundamental requirement here. We make clean energy cheaper than dirty energy, and we will eventually migrate towards that solution. So after I digested these IPCC recommendations, definitely, I didn't eat the paper, but it gave me a stomachache anyway. I realized that recommendations are naive and impractical based on our progress so far. It's just like, yeah, let's just write down five things. It's going to really help us feel good, but it's just very difficult to get a worldwide political consensus on it that really has any teeth. So based on the organized and very well-funded fossil fuel industries input into this report and into the conclusions of all the governments that participated in this report, at best, I think we'll implement half of these measures. So the temperature rise is not going to be capped at one and a half degrees C. Just not. We're not doing what we need to do. It's going to be more like two and a half to three degrees C under the best of circumstances. But there is one bit of good news, and I kind of refer to this. People and companies will do what's most economically beneficial to them. So when the cheapest energy is clean energy, 
and people will use clean energy, and then we will reduce global warming. That's the case with wind and solar. Even utilities that built their business on carbon fuels, they have pretty much universally transitioning to clean, renewable energy from wind and solar. And the reason is, you know, for almost every application for which we use energy, except industrial processes like process heating and long-distance transportation, renewable energy works really well. And there are ways for us to leverage renewable energies for these processes, you know, green hydrogen, things like that. So if we just focus the world's efforts on making clean energy cheaper energy and displacing the historically cheaper fossil fuel energy and find ways to store this energy, that's the best way for us to reduce global warming. So as far as summarizing this, and I kind of thought about this a lot, this isn't really that flippant, but these are my realistic recommendations that people listening, you personally can implement. And all of these recommendations are practical. They'll have a direct impact on your quality of life. And if universally adopted over the years, they're going to reduce global warming. Okay, number one, make your home carbon negative with electrification, solar, and batteries. You'll save money. You'll have a healthier and more comfortable home. It's the best way to get back at greedy utilities, and it can be done cost-effectively. All right, number two, buy an electric vehicle. It's more money up front. We all know that. Sometimes you can't even get these electric vehicles. All vehicles are more expensive now, but EVs are more expensive up front, but they're much cheaper to fuel. I mean, we're not talking about $5 a gallon gas. We're talking about relatively cheap electricity, especially it's from renewables, and almost no maintenance. I've been driving EVs for almost 10 years. Really cost-effective. Number three, buy renewable energy and electrification stocks for you and your children. Now, in general, these stocks are going to be long-term winners. Sell your fossil fuel company stocks mostly for moral reasons, even though over the short and medium term, they may do okay. Heck, with the war in Ukraine, fossil fuel prices have gone through the roof. If anybody started buying fossil fuel companies a year ago, they made a killing. But that's not going to continue, and it's just ethically the wrong thing to do. Number four, pay attention to the scientists. Don't pay attention to people that aren't scientists or ignore science. Number five, look skeptically at fossil fuel industry sponsored solutions. Keep in mind that fossil fuel solutions and proposals, their number one goal is simply to stay in business and increase their profits. Now, truth be told, I'm in the renewable energy industry. You should look skeptically at the ideas that people within the renewable energy suggest. But the reality is, you look at the rate of deployment of, of wind and solar, we're adding more electricity and energy capacity than any other source, and it's cheaper. All right. Next, do not support climate change denying politicians in any way. Now, the same goes for politicians who support the fossil fuel infrastructure and vote against clean energy policies, such as a carbon tax. Now, most of this problem is caused by our lack of political will, and that lack of political will is caused by fossil fuel companies basically influencing politicians. So don't support those politicians, even though they may be your representatives. Don't support them if they're against climate change solutions. All right, next, if you're looking for a new house, do not get a house that's near the coast. Do not get a 30-year mortgage on coastal property. If you like the beach, buy a block inland. That'll be good for 50 years or just rent. And the last recommendation, eat less meat and eat more locally grown fruits and vegetables. Now, 
I'm not sure how much this is going to impact global warming. Not that much reality, but a good diet will help you live long enough to see that Al Gore was actually right. All right. That's all the time we have on this week's energy show. Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. And if you missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamon.energy and listen to the podcasts. Thanks for tuning in to this week's energy show. Barry wants everyone to benefit from clean energy. So if you missed any of today's show, you can go to our website at cinnamon.energy and listen to the podcasts.